Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode, number 18 of Flip It or Skip It, we'll be talking about fountain pens. Fountain pens? Does anybody use those anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever use one? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I went to school and, and, you know, not to date myself, but uh, I started school about 1954, 55, and uh, ballpoint pens had not been invented at oh. that point. They, they were invented in the late 50s. So, of course, you know, first graders don't use fountain pens because heaven knows they'd spill ink all over everything. So they wouldn't let you use pens at all at school until probably fifth or sixth grade. And then by the time you got into seventh grade, all your assignments had to be in ink and so forth. So, yeah, I did use uh, a fountain pen. My, my first pen, and I had it for years, it was a Schaefer cartridge type and the body of the pen was uh, red plastic clear clear plastic so you could see the level of the ink in in the cartridge but I used that forever uh, until ballpoints came out became popular mm -hmm. but early ballpoints were just awful they were you know they would skip and and uh, you know dent the paper and they were just not very good at all the the ballpoint pen that made a difference, when I was young, and maybe there were more expensive ones, but my family didn't buy expensive anything <laughs> when I was a kid. It was the Bic. The Bic pens were the first reasonably priced ballpoint pens that worked well. And I remember they were 19 cents. Wow. Because my, my mother, when she had to go out and buy school supplies for five kids, she was looking for something that worked well but didn't cost a lot. So we had, uh, you know, a bag full of Bic pens. But uh, fountain pens, yeah, I liked fountain pens. But those cartridge ones, uh, they weren't messy. They didn't make blotches and blots onto the, to the page. And, and uh, you didn't have to use a blotter to soak up extra ink. There are fountain pens that have always been good. I mean, those, those things have been made since the 1890s. But prior to that, people were using... Quill pens. I mean, imagine oh, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, you know, writing with a quill pen and dipping it into the inkwell no. and writing and getting four letters into it and having to dip again. But that went on forever. I mean, almost to the turn of the 20th century, that's what they were writing with. So fountain pens were a big deal. Fountain mm -hmm. pens were a big deal. And it's a, there are a lot of collectors for fountain pens. Yes. I mean, they're great. Have you written with fountain pen in recent years? I'm, I'm, I barely write now. I mean, I can barely <laughs> write, but <laughs> I know growing up, my grandfather was a chief of police and he uh -huh. had, um, he loved to write and he was very good at calligraphy and, and writing. And I remember his desk had fountain pens on his desk and, uh, you know, he had a little display set up with a right. with the the base holders of pens, and I would I would attempt to write with those. But when I grew up, we had uh, number two pencils. 
Right. And then um, later on, we had ballpoint pens. But I never, I never had the experience of growing up learning on a fountain pen. Right. There's a different feel to it because with fountain pens, you can get different. Um, they're called uh, nibs, the end of the yes. the pen where the ink comes out. And you can get ones that are different shaped. You can have some with a little teeny ball on the end. Not not a ball, but it's a rounded part that you Tip. write with. You can get them you can get them flat. Uh they're called italic tips and and that's how you can when you write with them, it looks like an italics font almost, mm-hmm. you know, different widths and uh, of the lines. People who use fountain pens for writing just rave about the experience. They say they talk right. about being reconnected to the page and paying attention to the words that you put down in your penmanship and and that it's a whole new experience. It's a throwback in time. Mm-hmm. And it's so much different than thumb typing on a smartphone that uh, I can see that the technology averse or people that get are at a computer all day and just get burned out, I can see how that would have an appeal. Uh, regarding uh, flipping these pens mm. is that this uh, fountain pens fall into the category of most people don't know, nor do they care. So if somebody's having a yard sale mm-hmm. or an estate sale, uh, auctioneers and, and antique dealers are pretty aware of the value of some of these pens. Sure. But the average homeowner's not. Right. All, all they know, they open up the drawer. If a, if a pen stops working or whatever, they throw it in a drawer and they leave it right. there and they go out and they buy another one because they're right. cheap. So you can go into a, a sale like that and just open a drawer and find all sorts of pens and yes. pencils and, and things that people don't give any thought to. And you can buy them well. And if you know the fountain pens, usually the people will stop using fountain pens either when they run out of ink and don't want to buy anymore or it stops working. And you do have to clean fountain pens. Right. You every, every month or two, you have to take them apart and clean them. And it's a fairly easy process. I mean, there, there are videos all over YouTube right. on how to clean fountain pens. But basically, the ink is water-based. So essentially, you just have to keep them rinsed out and mm-hmm. you know keep them working well. But if you haven't been using it and the ink's not flowing, then it's going to dry up and then it's not going to work. So people don't pay any attention to it. But if you find a, a pen, a fountain pen, you check, first of all, you check all of the things. If it, for example, some of them have a little lever that you move back and forth. It's almost like a pump that draws ink into the, to the inside. You have to make sure things like that work and that you get some resistance and it just doesn't flop around to make sure that the clips are working and if the top unscrews that it does that. But the main thing is the nib. You need to make sure that the nib uh, isn't broken Mm -hmm. or that it has its correct shape, that it's symmetrical. It's the same on both sides. Uh, There's a very fine cut down the the center of the nib, it's smaller than a than a strand of hair, especially my hair since it's thinning <laughs> so much. But it, it's that small. And so it doesn't take much to clog them up. You have to keep using them in order to keep them working properly. So 
something that's been in a drawer for years just isn't going to work right. You're going to have to to clean it. But if you know all of these things, then uh, you can find some really great sure. pins. Tell me about, have you sold uh, pins in your eBay store? Yes, I, I've sold a lot of pens, actually. Um, the most recent sale that I had was not a fountain pen, but it was called a tactile turn pen. Mm. And that's very interesting if you want to research it. But I, I did sell one for $250 recent. Well, it was January. I sold that one. And then I sold one for 78 in March. But mm-hmm. they were... A tactile pen is a little different. Um, It's a turning type of a mechanism. And the fountain pens that I've sold, um, the most awesome ones, I had a client bring me uh, a box of fountain pens, and there were about five Montclair. I'm sorry, Montblanc. Those bad boys can sell for, what, up to $1,000 or more? I was over the moon when I saw that label. And then it started my research. I mean, I had researched fountain pens years ago when I first started on eBay because they were easy to find at the thrift stores and, and mm-hmm. estate sales. And they they weren't um, – people weren't as knowledgeable <laughs> as mm-hmm. as they are now. But you can still find them. But what I learned was the Mont, the Mont Blanc – was actually the highest seller. And to my surprise, the Schaefer didn't sell as high as the Cross. The Cross pen seemed to sell better. But the other thing that would be the closer of the deal on the sale was if it had a 14 carat nib. Nib, right. Exactly. Some nibs, some gold looking parts on collectible pens are plated. Yes. Uh, nibs are never plated that I know of. Usually you can can buy them in stainless steel, but traditionally they're gold. And they're gold because they've used the, the ink and the pen is water-based mm-hmm. and, and gold won't corrode. Mm-hmm. So that's why they use gold for those things. But since it is gold, there's almost always an inscription somewhere in the nib that will say 14K. Right. Or something to indicate what the what the gold is, right? If you find something like that, you've really got something good, right? And um, some of the lower end Schaefers though do have the the fourteen k nib. They will sell, but it's just something about Schaefer. I can do better with a cross than I can with a Schaefer. Well, Schaefer's been around for a long time. I mean they. Their patent goes back to 1908, and they started mm-hmm. making pins in 1912. So they've been making they were making pins for more than a hundred years, but uh, they were never a high end pin. It was sort yeah. of a middle of the road kind of pin. The one that I had was was made out of uh, plastic. They were famous for the colors in in their pins. That's what made them popular. They have one that's that's really collectible. It's called the Schaefer Balance, B-A-L-A-N-C-E. And it was kind of torpedo shaped. It was tapered at both ends. And that was an immediate hit with school school kids and young adults. And they sold enough 
that it got the attention of all the competitors and the com their competitors started making similar pens. But Schaefer's been around a long time. Uh, they work well if it's your intention to uh, to write with a fountain pen. Schaefer's probably a good place to start because there are a lot of them around. They're reasonably priced. Uh, and if you're a collector, that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. As a flipper, you're not going to, it's not a big bucks kind of pen. Right. But it will help you become familiar with things like how to clean them and how to fill them and the various parts of the pens. It's probably a, a good introduction mm -hmm. to flipping pens would be to start with shavers. Sure. Okay. Well, this is a good place to put my pen down and pause for a word from our sponsor. And we'll be right back. Dealers, you don't have to build your own reference library. WorthPoint has done it for you. With WorthPoint's digital library, you can access over 1,000 books on antiques and collectibles in one convenient place. Find the info you need quickly. Search books by title or author or subject. Dig deep using a keyword search. Don't waste time digging through pages of Google results. Get there quicker with WorthPoint. For a seven-day, seven-lookup-free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back uh, with yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we are talking about flipping fountain pens. And the other thing I look for when I'm um, treasure hunting is the design of the pen, not only the nib, but but the, the base, because if it's um, metallic or if it's like a paisley or a mm -hmm. marble looking, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or if it has a, a, a very odd or interesting design on them, it can make them more valuable as well, no matter what brand it is. Right. But the Schaefer's, a lot of times you can find them in box sets. So it'll come with the mechanical pencil and the pen. And even still, I, I sold a set not long ago and they were so low end, I just put them on auction and mm -hmm. they ended up at like $17 or something. But yeah, but they just um, don't bring in, you know, the bucks like the others do. Right. Yeah, I have no interest at all in, in uh, mechanical pencils, at least not from a user's standpoint. My wife uses them all the time, but uh, I, I press too hard. I always break the lead and, then, <laughs> you know, end up swearing and getting up and going, I'm going to find me a real pencil. <laughs> <laughs> too much. You're lead heavy. That's break right. That, break that exactly. lead. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's funny, though, the mechanical pencils, I can remember using them in school and they were fun, but annoying. I broke them all the time, too. Here's a little bit of uh, pen pencil trivia, uh, just to throw this in. Uh, you'll recall the space race back in the 1960s when JFK said, we're going to be first to the moon. And the Russians were saying, oh, no, you're not. Uh, there was a big push to see who got there first. And NASA, uh, in thinking through the process, uh, it was decided that they needed uh, a ballpoint pen. They needed a pen for the guys to keep their logs and write down whatever they were going to write. So NASA spent more than a million dollars in 1960s money, and who knows what that would be today, <laughs> to develop a pen that would write in zero gravity. You know what the Russians did? What? They used a pencil. Oh, no. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
of course, commercially, then we ended like everything else from the from the space program. We ended up with an awful. Uh, it raised our level of technology and had an effect on commercial markets. So that was that was probably good. Who knows? Maybe that's how Bic came up with the idea for their fountain pen or something. <laughs> Not fountain funny. pen, ballpoint pen. Ballpoint. It's funny that you mention that because I can. I can suddenly have a flashback of a commercial of in space with the fountain pen floating mm -hmm. or the big pen floating. And maybe there's a monkey involved. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Do you get these flashbacks often, Dana? <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to find out about that. Your past coming back to haunt you. <laughs> No, seriously, I think that was a commercial. I'm going to Google this as soon as we're done. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> well, I have an interesting pen here. And this is, since we're on the subject of pens, this is a pen that is a sample that I received from WorthPoint. And it actually is going to be, um, I was a tester for it to see what I thought of it. You take off the, the end of it, and it has hand sanitizer in it. Really? They need those in my doctor's office. They always have these little stubby little pencils. And I say, you want this bag? No, nah, throw it away. So <laughs> hand sanitizer. Well, now, you, you know, that one of these days, that is going to be a collector's item. I guarantee it. Because that's specific to this period of time. That's right. To the, to the pandemic when people, that's a concern, having mm -hmm. the hand sanitizer. And putting it in the pen is pretty clever. Have you ever used the hand sanitizer in the pen? I have. I have it. It squirts out. I mean, very, very weak, but it mm -hmm. does, and it's refillable, and it's just enough to clean your fingertips. And right. then you know you have to turn the pen to turn it to to get the tip to come out. But it's refillable, and you can fill the chamber. Now the other thing is when you're listing um, fountain pens on eBay, it's important to have really good photos. So you have to have a good close up of the nib on right. each side and then um, the chamber and then also take the pen apart and then mm -hmm. let it sit so that you can have pictures of all of that as well. And eBay allows 12 photos. Make sure you use all 12, especially um, with fountain pens because there's so many angles and it'll avoid questions coming in because they'll, the true collectors, they're going to have questions. And, and if they can get that answered by zooming in and seeing it in the photo, it'll help with your sale. And and what about listing titles? Yeah, all those keywords in the title, fountain pen, you know, the name, the brand, the nib, if it's 14 karat, <laughs> you know, all, all of those. And then if it has a design, of course, to include the, the paisley or the color. There's some people that are, need that certain color just to complete their collection. So make sure that you put that color in that title as well. Right. Well, it's funny that you mentioned desk accessories because a lot of the the Schaefer or the well, I don't I don't th think I've seen any cross ones. I'm sure they have them, but they're in a block base mm -hmm. that's like a marble base that sits on your desk that holds your pen. And I actually have several that I need to list right now, and I've not done very well with them. They don't sell. I mean, they sell, but they're not high end. 
uh, unless mm-hmm. they have the name stamped and the felt on the bottom is still in place and there's no chips on the corners because so many of them they are chipped and you have to really if you run across those at an estate sale or or a thrift store you want to definitely run your finger around all the edges because it can be missed if you don't spot the chip (laughs) and it could be a light chip but they don't sell as well and they're a pain to ship personally (laughs) really I wouldn't think so. What why are they what makes them so hard to ship? Well, they're heavy. So your shipping price is going to go up a little bit, but Right. If they fit in a regional A or regional B, it can cut back on your shipping. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes you can bubble wrap it enough if they're small enough and put them in a flat rate envelope. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz you can ship a brick in a flat rate priority mail envelope. It's something interesting looking at at uh, eBay. Uh, it, it today under fountain pens in um, collectible pens and writing instruments in new listings they have over thirty one thousand. But if I scroll down and click sold items in the past ninety days twenty eight thousand have sold. Yeah. I mean, how's that for sell through? Very good. Yeah. Exactly. So chances are good. And chances are good if you put a pin on eBay, it's going to sell. Um, I actually wanted to point out that uh, as a WorthPoint subscriber and user, they have a section in their library on fountain pens, past and present. Oh, do they? It's in the library, and it's a great place to start to Mm -hmm. actually educate yourself to learn about collecting fountain pens the major manufacturers and their classics, early fountain pens, and then it goes into the golden ages. So that is a good place to start. Right. And of course, that's accessible for subscribers and at no extra charge. So it's certainly better than going out and buying a library full of books on, on collecting pens. Absolutely. As far as places to go, we've talked about the usual spots, you know, the uh, eBay and the internet and websites and uh, garage sales, auctions, that kind of thing. But there are clubs and organizations that that's their whole focus. And mm-hmm. there are pen shows, can have ballrooms filled with vendors selling new pens and vintage pens and, and every condition imaginable. And these things take place all over the United States. So for someone interested in pens or new collectors or uh, the, the the places like that are a great place to go because virtually every vendor there is a specialist or an expert in some area of collecting pens. They know a lot more at, at pen shows and, uh, than, say, antique stores. Going to a pen show is is really, if you're interested in pens, that that's the thing to do. That would be fun because I I I like going to those specialized shows myself. It's fun to meet the people who are so dedicated to their collections, and they enjoy sharing and talking about their collections. I I like going to trade shows like that. 
Right. And on Facebook alone, I just did a quick search for um, fountain, just put in fountain pen on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And first thing that comes up is my friends that actually have written a little bit about fountain pens. And then also it shows there are, there's a page dedicated on Facebook to fountain pens and fountain pen revolution. And then there's fountain pen meetup. And the list goes on. Fountain pens, Malaysia, <laughs> fountain pens all, all over the world. Well, Dana, here we are, the end of episode 18. I'm looking at the clock on the wall and it's saying it's time to go. So we'll have to, to wrap this episode up and, and we'll let you get back to your, to your hallucinations about, <laughs> about space monkeys and floating pens. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to Google that, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, well, send me the link. <laughs> I send will. Send me the link when I you will. get it. Okay. Thanks, Dana. Thank I'll you. see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Point.